Hey, Dan Talks listeners, welcome to another episode of Dan Talks. This week, I'm talking to a self-love advocate that I found on Instagram. Her name is Sylvia Santiago. She lives in Central Florida and is a hairstylist and also has a fabulous Instagram presence where she promotes mental health, body positivity, boundary setting, wellness practices. She's just an all-around beautiful human who I learned a lot from in our short conversation. So I hope you enjoy listening to her and all of her wisdom and experience. uh, And I hope that you can relate to her as I know I did. Hope you're staying well out there. Love you. Sylvia. Hello. (laughs) I first came across you on um, Instagram Explore on the Explore page because um, you posted about the the prompt was show a video of when it looked like you're at your highest, but really you were at your lowest. And I believe it was the day that you got your beauty license. Yep. I was graduating Um, cosmetology school. Yeah. Can you tell me what, um, tell me about that day and why you decided to share it. So (laughs) That day, it was my final clock out of cosmetology school. I was working a job, moved to Florida, like a bunch of things ended me in cosmetology school. I was following my passion, following my dream. And the day before I went outside and my car was actually repossessed. I was doing ride share to make money. I had cashed in all my savings. Um, I had like annuities. I cashed everything in to be able to get through hair school and not having much family out here. I was in a pretty tough position. Um, And I was almost, it was the first thing in my life that I was actually completing. And I was almost there. So I felt like like the world was out, not the world, but whatever it was, the enemy was out to get me. And, um, I was in, I was at my highest weight possible that I had ever been. I was not in the best of health. And I also was financially screwed, (laughs) for lack of better words. Mm -hmm. Um, I decided to share it because I'm on a journey right now of self-love. I'm on a journey to actually be true with my intentions, to actually be my true authentic self. And if I don't tell people what my lows were, how are they going to understand my highs and you know, when I say, yeah, I don't know what I've been through, you know, why am I not just telling people this is what I've been through instead so that someone can relate and let them know that they're worth it. Uh, mental health is, we know, um, it's almost an epidemic. You know what I mean? It's it's definitely mental illness is is out there. And a lot of people suffer from mental illness and understanding that, you know, asking for health and ending the stigma is very important. What did it feel like when you were graduating and everybody was cheering for you. I felt on top of the world. I did. I'm sorry. (laughs) I mean, I'm not going to apologize for my emotions, but um, I felt on top of the world because for the first time, and even if none of them were there to cheer me on, I finished, I completed something. Mm -hmm. So that was very important to me coming from the background that I came from and um being you know and i dropped out of high school went and got my ged i was a teen mom you know so being from where i came from it definitely like i i felt invincible yeah i still had to go to state board and get my license but i knew that was in the bag i knew i knew the information 
So mm-hmm. it was getting through the hours and actually completing it. Mm-hmm. You say you've never, until that point, you hadn't completed anything? No. Tell me what that, because that sounds like a story that you've made for yourself. Can you tell me more about it? Yeah. Before that, I was, um, it's, I, I had issues following through. So I almost scared myself to be successful. I was one of the gifted kids when I was a kid. Everyone thought I was, you know, oh, she's going to be great. I wanted to be a brain surgeon and all these things. And then I went to high school and I was overwhelmed and didn't understand why I was so overwhelmed. And I, I hated going to school and I didn't like sitting through some classes. I was bored in other classes. I was like, this is too hard. I don't want to do this. So it was a lot of, um, I was never really pushed either. I didn't have anyone to push me and not to say anything bad about, you know, my parents, my mom, but as a single mom, she had to work. Mm -hmm. I have older siblings, you know what I mean? So no Mm -hmm. one actually really pushed me and, or showed me this is the way because no one had ever really done it before me. Mm -hmm. So it's so interesting that you mentioned brain surgeon because that's working on the inside of people's heads. And now you work on people's hair. Exactly. (laughs) But as so many, um, hairstyle I used to work at a hair salon actually um, as a receptionist I, I I didn't even do shampoo and conditioner I was pure phone I was like scared they asked me and I said no um it's like too intimate but that's my point is that it's a very intimate sort of yeah. profession can you talk about the emotional labor of it um whew, man I always tell people that is very hard doing color jobs because you're with someone for like three four hours and they're dumping everything on you. And most women are changing their hair color. If it's a drastic change, it's because they broke up. <laughs> they're getting a new job. They're getting uh-huh. a new first. They just had a baby. The drastic changes are always around life's drastic changes. So, man, you, you have to energy up. You have to pour into yourself a whole lot before you step into that salon. And also the environment itself, other stylists and what they're going through. And, you know, hopefully you're in a place like I am, an amazing salon where it's not toxic mm-hmm. <laughs> for a lack of better word, that word's so overused, but the environment and a lot of women are very catty and that's even in the chair. So it's like having a connection with that person, them trusting you to do their hair and you also having to make sure that you are emotionally ready for what they're about to dump on you. We are therapists in here. Mm-hmm. Except when they leave, you look better. I mean, if you don't, even if you don't feel better, you look better. Exactly. And I always tell people when you look better, you feel better. That's why when I'm in and when I feel like it's my darkest days or when I'm feeling like anxious or I'm feeling down, I go do my hair. I make sure my eyebrows are done. I put on a, a dope ass outfit. Excuse mm-hmm. me. Like, I put on a, 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 I get all flied up mm-hmm. and, and I go out and conquer the day because when you look better, you walk in with confidence. You, you feel better. Mm-hmm. And don't you think smell is so important too? Oh man, it's very important. Like, please wash up when you take a nice shower and all the good smells. And yeah, yeah. You mentioned earlier that toxic is a term that's overused. Can you say more about that? What do you think is toxic and what do you think is something else that people are just using that? I just feel like it's a very overused word. Um, People think others having difference of opinions is toxic or. Um, you know, not being agreeable is toxic, which is really not. It's it's easy to debate or easy to have difference of opinions and still love on people. 
Um, toxic is when someone's trying to bring you down with them. Toxic is cattiness. Toxic is he said, she said. It's being, you know, he he ha ha in your face. And then you turn around and you're a whole different person or you're trying to bring that bad mouth that person. Or, you know, toxic is, you know, exactly trying to bring someone down with you. And I say with you, because if you are in a space where, because we're all guilty of being toxic in one sense or another, or at one point in life or another, and it's because we're in a bad place ourselves. Mm -hmm. Would you say you were in a place like that once? Oh, I've been there. I've definitely been in a place where I'm, you know, chatty Cathy telling people's business. But doesn't it feel, don't you feel so self-righteous though in those moments? Absolutely. But it's an artificial high, isn't it? It is. It is. It's because you feel bad about yourself. You don't even realize sometimes that you're doing it, that you're in that place until you're outside of it. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people who are there now don't even realize like, oh man, negative Nancy girl, this is, this energy stinks. We got to clean this up. And now I actually say it out loud to people. I'll be like, oh, why are you so mean? Or why are you so negative? That was not nice. You know, that was rude. Because if people, if we don't, if we don't check people on it, it's not even checking them. I do it out of love. Mm-hmm. You must have, how do you check yourself when you have thoughts like that about other people? Honestly, I turn on, I turn on worship music. I turn on worship music. I listen to Steve Furtick. I listen to Trent Shelton, Inky Johnson, uh, Les Brown, I, I go into personal development, Jim Rohn, something because it's to work on me. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I'm, I can't stand myself sometimes. We've all been there. Like, oh, I can't stand myself. This is awful. So I literally pour into myself because that's what I'm, that's what's needed at that moment to kind of push that negativity out. You got to pour good stuff in to get the bad stuff out. Mm-hmm. If you can't, um, well, I feel like there's two sides. What I feel like the spectrum is I can't stand myself and I love myself. Do you think, not to suggest it's a binary, but you must spend more time at this end of the spectrum now? Much more. Much more time with the I love myself. It has been such a journey of finding me. And that was a spiritual journey, a mental journey, um, and a weight loss journey. And it wasn't just the weight loss. It was the community that I, you know, your vibe attracts your tribe. Mm -hmm. I'm in a community where other women are on different journeys of weight loss, weight gain, whatever to better themselves or just health journeys. And that's what kind of started. Like if I take, I have to take care of myself. One, to be a hairstylist, it's, um, physically draining. Physically, you have to be like, you need to work out to be able to hold that blow dryer all day. I'm sorry. (laughs) You can't Mm -hmm. eat snacks all day and think the blow dryer is going to, you know, like you're going to be okay. No carpal tunnel. There's tendonitis. We get so many back issues. There's so many things. So we have to take care of ourselves from the inside. Mm -hmm. So it's like mind, body, spirit that I've been on. And um, I definitely have kind of boiled it all down. And then now I'm on like a financial health journey. So I kind of boiled it all down to, if you love yourself, you're going to take care of yourself in all these areas. So now I'm helping other people understand that, you know, to take care of themselves in different areas, where, where would you start so that you can feel like you completely love yourself because we can't rely on others to love us. Mm -hmm. What was there something that started this journey for you or a moment? Yes. (laughs) 
I actually went on Instagram and a friend of mine who went to hair school with me was drinking a tea and it literally spiraled from that. She was like, you guys need this tea. It's so much energy. And I know she was a, um, a coffee brand drinker like me. We were in that drive through all day long in hair school. You know what I mean? So exactly. Look, I got my tea. I got my tea in the oh, car. See, I'm still on coffee. I'm still on coffee. I do coffee sometimes too. I love coffee. Okay. Okay. I, work, I love the taste of coffee. I'm Puerto yes. Rican, Latina. I love coffee. Okay. Mm -hmm. but the tea that she was drinking gave me a whole new feeling. And I just went on to, I went with the nutrition program. She does Herbalife. So I started to do it. Mm -hmm. So that's what kind of started that trend being in that community. And I'm like, wait a minute. Why are these people so happy? Like they're just so in love with them. So they talk about shows all they post pictures, <laughs> you know, like, I'm like, this is crazy. And then I became one of those people. <laughs> <laughs> but when you're from the outside and when you don't love, I mean, you don't have to love everything about yourself all the time. Working on the parts that you don't love is okay. And that's what I try to express to people. Like, I don't particularly love my thighs. So guess what? I'm going to work on those parts mm -hmm. so that I can grow more of an attachment to that. You know what I mean? So I can learn to like them maybe i will never love them you never know you know what i mean but it's not it's okay not to love every single thing like it's okay yeah what do you think about the if there's a difference between love and acceptance definite difference between love and acceptance like i accept the way that i look now but this is not exactly and i love me and i accept the way that i look now but this is not where i want to be because this is not where i'm completely comfortable mm-hmm so, and it's, I have to get uncomfortable to be in a place where I'm a little more comfortable. <laughs> uh -huh. Has there ever been a time that you were comfortable? Yeah. Um, comfortable in, and as, as weird as this sounds and as backwards as this sounds, I was comfortable in my depressive state. Say more about that. So I was okay with eating all day long. I was okay with napping all day. I was okay with being sad. I was okay with not dealing with my grief and just kind of internalizing it. I was very comfortable in my bubble. I wasn't as energetic. I, I lost my, someone had told me one time, like, this doesn't even sound like the same Sylvia that you used to be. You know, I'm, I didn't care where we was. I was preaching something to somebody, you know what I mean? We'd be at the bar and I'm preaching something to somebody, but you know, I wasn't that person anymore. And then I became comfortable in being in that cave. So I had to get uncomfortable to get out of it. And I had to, you know, get, unco get uncomfortable, like being comfortable with certain people around you that feed it. Mm -hmm. So that's another thing that's really hard is. The, the people who you surround yourself with sometimes would feed that. And that's a comfort. It's like, oh yeah, I'm so depressed. Oh my God, you're so depressed. Yeah. Let's go eat away our depression. Yeah. I'm depressed too. Let's go be depressed together, you know? Mm -hmm. And then they start dumping their stuff on you. And it's like, that, that's, that's not what we should do. You know, mm -hmm. like you're out of that. And those people are still doing that. You're like, wow, no wonder why I was in that place. Because mm -hmm. that's where I feel like I am now. I look back to the people I used to hang out with daily and I'm like, oh man, it makes sense now. Like we were just feeding off of each other. Mm -hmm. And it was probably fun a lot of the time. 
like it's fun to eat and drink and laugh and like shoot the shit yeah, exactly. and, and it's like and and literally just telling everyone like just dumping your problems and then complaining about everything in life like i'm gonna take a shot because my boyfriend sucks you know what i mean like, yeah there's not a conversation about like well maybe we can say goodbye to the boyfriend exactly or a conversation about you know what business aspect what business moves are we gonna make or mm -hmm. how about we drink today but we're gonna hit the gym tomorrow mm -hmm. you know or different things like that there's nothing uplifting in those environments mm -hmm. is there any grief involved in saying goodbye to those people and that lifestyle yeah there's a lot of it um <laughs> the tear the tears start up again um it's hard to i think it's harder for them to understand that you're not the same person anymore so you're not gonna be there the same way because you have to set boundaries i've always had i used to have an issue with setting boundaries and um in setting those boundaries i'm like relieved but at the same time it's very hurtful that i can't be as available as i was for others but again that's me wanting to do things for others so um understanding that they are where they are and loving them anyway where they are does not mean that i have to go down i have to go back there with them so you have to love people where they are, whether they want to move up with you or they don't. Not everyone's going to be on the same journey. Not everyone's meant to come with you in every um, in every uh, stage of life. There we go. In every stage of life, not everyone's you know coming with you. So it's hard to accept that sometimes, especially when it's people you grew up with, when it's family members. You know, there's family members I don't really talk to anymore that I used to talk to daily, regularly, but it's because they're used to the old Sylvia. Mm -hmm. so they're going to bring up bad traits that I used to have. They're going to remind me of what I used to do. They're going to remind me of how I wasn't consistent before. They're going to remind me of, you know, drinking and partying or promiscuity or whatever it is that I used to do. That's what they're going to remind me. And I don't want to be constantly reminded of the things that I used to do. I want to remind myself of where I'm going and living in the present. Mm -hmm. I, I have gone through similar things and I, um, used to think that setting a boundary, I, that I would be like supported all the time. But one thing I learned was that when you set a boundary, there can be backlash or like, there can be like, some people don't react well. <laughs> They're used to you one way, and then when you say I'm, I'm doing this another way, they can't, it doesn't process to them. Um, and even though they love you, they don't say, "I'm so proud of you." Yeah, of course. Um, I understand. <laughs> I understand. Yeah, it's you're nodding your head. You had a similar. Yes, absolutely. The um, I understand or correcting certain terms and this is people without naming names these people yeah. closest to me and it's like they're just like oh she's different so instead of like congratulating where what i've done i make big leaps like i congratulate myself all the time i'm not gonna sit here and wait for somebody to congratulate me for me to validate like i'm acknowledging me 
if someone else can't acknowledge me, obviously it's because they're going through something or they want me to be that old person so that they can use me to their benefit. And I wasn't put on this earth to be used by people. I was put on this earth to be used by God. So it's very hard for people to understand. And I think that's probably um, the word of the week for me right now is understanding. And um, yeah, that's tough because we, we interpret things our own ways. So when we do set a boundary with someone and they're not getting it, they think maybe we're pushing them away or, you know, like, oh, you're not going to be there for me. Oh, you don't love me things like that. And it's like, bro, no, I love you. I just got to do it from a distance. Like I need to, I need to work on me. I need you to understand that I love you, but I love me more. Mm -hmm. And it's absolutely okay to love yourself more. And I mean that in relationships um, with your children, because as a mom, a lot of times we put our kids first, Mm -hmm. but if we don't put ourselves first, we're not going to be okay to be able to raise our kids. Mm-hmm. So, and, and people don't understand that as well. You know, I love my son times a million, you know, but I have to be okay so that he's okay. Mm-hmm. So it, it's definitely people understanding that I love you, but I love me more. Mm-hmm. But didn't you know before that if you were to set a boundary, they would be upset about like that? Did you find that your fear of setting a boundary was justified? Yeah, my fear of setting a boundary was, yeah, exactly. I, I was I was in fear of losing people or I was in fear of, I was I was always the one to reach out to everyone else. Are you okay? Hey, how you doing? Hey, what's up? Reach out, reach out, reach out. And then once I stopped doing that, I'm like, oh, okay. You know, I get it. So it, it you lose, you lose people in the process. You set those boundaries, you put that fence up, the neighbors aren't going to come knocking. So it's that same sense, like you put up those boundaries, they're not going to come over anymore because they want to you to be fully open and available. I think I just, I want to, I'm happy that we're talking about this because I think that's something that gets lost in boundaries. It's a lot of like women empowerment, which I like feel part of women empowerment. And like, cause men don't have a problem. Men aren't available and they're not available. Yeah. Women aren't available and they're like, so sorry. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and it's insane how much we do that how much we put ourselves on the back burner so that we can be available to everyone else mm-hmm. and it's and i'm all about empowerment i'm all about women empowerment like i work out at a pole studio mm-hmm. you know which is all different races sizes ethnicities social classes like everything we literally go in there we leave our bs at the door we mm-hmm. dance to themes and and pole and different twerk classes. And it's amazing. It's about women empowerment. And we leave every, it's setting our boundary. All of us in there are like, no, I got to go to class. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly how it feels um, when you're, when you're a mom and a girlfriend or a wife. And you know what I mean? You, you feel like you have this obligation to be every role for everyone because that's how we're raised that's how it's ingrained in us and it's like no i need to be every role for me mm-hmm. me first like i always say god first and my son even says this he'd be like how do, how do you love me or you know how much do you love me or whatever and i'll be like remember god first i love god first then i love me and then i lo- I can love you i was like without, without those two things i can't love you <gasps> the way Sylvia. I <laughs> 
And that's for everyone. That's for my mom. That's for, you know, everyone. And I want my son to be raised saying, I love God first. And then I love myself. Mm-hmm. Then I'll be okay to love everyone else. Mm-hmm. Because who am I to do all these things and not actually teach him what I'm doing? He's seen my process. Mm-hmm. So we have to always put us first so that we can be able to be those things we want to be for everyone else. <sighs> not making me cry at 8.24 a.m. Um, I, I think that's so important and so brave. I, only because I think, well, I, I imagine that mothers feel like they want their children to know that the children are special and beloved. And they think that that means more than me. Or more than myself. And I think especially starting at, you know, little kiddo, <laughs> I don't know how old you're. Eight. He's eight years eight. old. Yeah. But you probably, I mean, to He's start. Been doing this for a while. <laughs> yeah. To start with like, this is how love works. Not, it's not a hierarchy. It's not like. It's not, it's certainly not you above everybody else in the world. And man, I go to bat for that one. I, my son is, oh, I've learned so much, mm-hmm. you know, being his mom and he is brilliant. Like I've had to read up on some things because <laughs> he's so smart. Like, and I'm not saying that cause he's mine. I like to call him a superhuman sometimes, <laughs> uh-huh. but he, he understands it. Uh which is interesting for his age, but he knows like, no, I got to be right. Sometimes if I, I, I don't have, I will tell him, I don't have like the mental capacity right now. Mm -hmm. Give me a minute. Let me get myself together. And then we can speak. And it's only because I want him to be able to do that. Like when he's overstimulated where we're at the amusement park or where did we go? We went to an arcade place and it's lights and, and, you know, ping, uh, ping pong machines or whatever it is, the pinball machines, there's all these things going on every game imaginable. And he just looked at me, he said, Mama, I'm starting to feel overstimulated. I'm overwhelmed right now. And being a neurodiverse family, that is the one thing I was like, we made it. We got it. He can understand. He can express his feelings. So as soon as he said that, I was like, let's pack it up and let's go. I get you, buddy. Mm-hmm. And we left because his feelings matter, even though I wanted to stay and play more games. <laughs> We really went there for me, not him and my God. <laughs> but he was overwhelmed. He was overstimulated. And I, and I was like, all right, cool. I respect that because that's a boundary that he's setting. Yeah. So I have to respect that of him. And I'm like, I respect that. And we left. And he was happy after. He was like, I had so much fun <sighs> because it didn't turn into no fun. So mm-hmm. it's understanding. And that's what we have to do with other with others. Like when my energy's low, I literally tell people I didn't go to your event because my energy's not right. And I don't want to bring bad energy into your event. I don't want to be the Debbie Downer in your event, even though I really wanted to go and I'm sure it was great, but my energy's off. I need to fill myself before I go into an, a place like that. Uh-huh. So, and that's how, that's how I want my son you know, to express himself as well. Like, it's okay not to go to the party. It's okay not to do certain things. If you know, it's going to, if it's not going to be fun for you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, if it's going to be loud and you don't like loud music, guess what? You don't have to go, Uh but just explain that to people express that because when they invite you next time and you make up an excuse and next time and you make up an, it's not going to work. So just let them know 
ahead of time, like, no, I don't want to go. My energy's off. Or I really just don't like going out like that. Mm -hmm. And then they know that the times that you do show up, it's because you really want to be there. Exactly. Exactly. You're going to show up in spite of, or you're going to really be there like a wedding or whatever it may be, you know, like it really meant something to you to be there for them. So that's, I mean, it all boils down to, and I always say it always boils down to love. I never knew my purpose in life. And I think that was like one of the hardest things I used to always ask God, what is my purpose? I've been through so much and, um, sorry, <laughs> got to collect myself here. I've been through so much in life and I've always asked, what is my purpose? And my purpose is to love. That's literally all it is. Like I literally, you know, felt God, the universe, whatever it is that people believe in. Like I literally felt you just got to love on people at their lowest, at their highest. It doesn't mean you take on everything that they're carrying. You don't carry their burden. You don't take it off their shoulders for them, but you love them where they are. And understanding that has helped me understand myself a lot more because I have to love me where I'm at. So God uses others to, um, or, you know, uses others. There's a, an alignment basically to use others, but in actuality, sometimes we just have to turn that around for ourselves as well. So. <laughs> well, I think you're doing it. Sylvia. <laughs> and I just want to say, I think um, you are love also. Oh, thank you. Thank you for coming on. Thank you so much. I appreciate it.